Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle, Eric Cabral. On this episode, someone might do something differently than you would, or maybe even what you expected them to do. So I think like the number one rule, in my opinion, of partnerships is communications. Like, be really crystal clear, here's what I would have done or expect maybe if it's a task coming from me. But even more than that is like, I think if you give someone some rope and some trust, that begins to go back and forth. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Circle, where we built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our eureka moments, and embrace the F word, meaning failure, which I've come to realize that failure is success in progress. I'm Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place, one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission. And I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. Hey, I'm so glad you're here because I don't often get the opportunity to share with you exactly what I do and what we do here at On Air Brands. So we help the folks in our community and our clients to launch a podcast and then produce them on a weekly basis. We also help to promote each episode with close to a dozen social media posts that consist of quote cards, sound bites, and video clips. And then we post them for you on your socials automatically. So if you're a business owner with a ton on your plate, and a podcast just seems super overwhelming, I get it. We don't need one more thing to worry about. So let me and my team at On Air Brands do the heavy lifting each week so that you can focus on what you do best, which is to build your business, have more time to pour into your family and your community, or just plain chill and recharge. So feel free to email me at eric at On Air Brands so that we can book time together to chat about how we can align with your mission and how you can align with ours, which is to make the world better one mic at a time. Now back to the show. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. I am your most happy and humbled host, as usual. I have a fine gentleman, um, and he's not hard on the eyes for those of you who are watching video. And I told him this last time, and he said he called shenanigans. I said, you're the better looking Eric. And you said that, oh, man, no, that's not true. But- I'm going to call shenanigans again, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're full of it, bro. I'll take it, man. <laughs> good looking guy, man. But Eric Nelson is here. Welcome to the show, brother. Eric, my pleasure, man. My my honor to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we're able to uh, jump back in today uh, since we had such a fine conversation on your podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it's always great to continue the conversation and and build more relationships and find how we can share with more people and add value in their lives. So folks, if you don't know who Eric Nelson is, first off, he's a GoBro of mine. So those of you who watch and listen to this show, GoBundance is a big, big staple in my life. Uh, that is a networking community that I'm a part of and Eric here is a part of. 
that we love very, very dearly. I'm speaking for you as well, brother. But yeah, yeah no, love very dearly. You say it, I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we met through GoBundance, and he is the CEO and founder of Wild Oak Capital. He's also the host to the Wildly Successful Real Estate Mindset Podcast. So go check that out. Since you're already listening to this podcast, might as well just go over there. But after you hear this episode, and then like, subscribe on his show as well. Um, so brother, let's get into your story, man. And I know you've done a whole lot. I know uh, you've done some traveling and though you've had some aha moments. So let's begin there with your eureka moment in your life. Yeah, it's funny. Pivot. Like... Uh... It was it was more like a painful trudge through the Eureka moment, <laughs> but, but essentially it was like learning how to partner with people, learning how to let go of I want to do this on my own, I can find the deals, you know, whatever it is. So uh, again, I say it was painful because basically what I was doing was like buying single families locally and managing them, and I, you know, there's nothing against that, right? That some people's like jam, but I wanted to scale, and so. Kind of started asking around, and and you know what I was doing was like trying to find creative financing where I could put less down because we were pretty much out of money. And essentially, a good friend of mine was like, "Dude, you don't have to use your own money. Like, you can partner with people." And it it was like the struggle for me. Like, I don't know why I was just arrogant or dumb. Probably more is a better word. But like, once I finally had this moment, like, oh, like you actually can partner with people for work for their capital and put their capital use for them. Like that was a major, major shift in my world. And since then, it's like, I can't believe I fought it so hard. So that was a huge aha moment was like partnering with... So I have a handful of partners now. We talked about even having VAs, like help people help you and use your skill set. But that was, a, that was a major shift for me. I'm happy to talk more about it for sure. But it's if you're listening and you are you know, trying to do everything on your own, I encourage you to try like to find someone with you know skill sets that sort of match what you need and maybe you can help them they can help you and partnering's amazing. What was one of the major steps like what do you remember the first step you took or you know was it a, a mindset thing and reading certain books or just like ripping the band-aid off and like what was some of the early first steps? Yeah, I was partner? like in this uh I was in this mastermind for a while and uh, I was like, man, there's lots of really smart people in here. Like, maybe I should just travel with someone to the market that I'm I'm interested in. So, like, I like we've invested in Tulsa. It's my favorite market for a million reasons. But uh, so basically, I reached out to the mastermind. I said, is anyone else investing in Tulsa? And this guy John reached out, and it was interesting. He's like, yeah, I'm not really into social media, um, but hit me up on email, and I invest in Tulsa as well. For for some reason, the way that he wrote it, I thought he was like this super old guy. <laughs> I was like, I'm about to meet this seven-year-old dude. But anyway, we got on a call and it turns out he's he's very similar to me. Um, was investing in Tulsa. And I was like, hey, you want to take a market trip? He's like, yeah, let's do it. So that was kind of like set it in motion. Like to take the leap and say, I'm at least going to talk to someone else looking at the similar market and start there. And it kind of just snowballed. And then from there, what, what we, I think what I've found is like in our business, we'd bump up against what I'd call like you know, the the next thing that was just the struggle, right? And then how do you solve that problem? So here's an example would be, we had tons of deal flow. We had plenty of brokers sending us plenty of deals. And I think that that's pretty common, right? Like if you are active in the real estate space, I mean, even even a broker, one broker could send you several deals, you know, a week or whatever. 
so we were running into the like underwriting struggle. And so I met another guy at a meetup I was hosting and could tell he was super sharp, really, you know, really analytical dude. And I was like, hey man, can I can I pay you to underwrite some of these deals for us? He's like, sure. And it turns out, like over time, not too long, really a few months, like this guy's amazing. And and let's bring him in as a partner type thing. So that's kind of how it like began, was just taking the leap of like, I wonder if I could even pay someone for their time or like ask for help for someone and see how it goes, you know? And early on, we all had like, you know, a little bit different goals, a little bit different things. And so what we ended up doing was was going to Mexico City together, which is kind of a story in itself, but just taking like some time together, some really intentional time, be like, what do you want for the future? What is your goal? What's my goal? What, what can we do for each other? And that was really powerful as well. Like to kind of start with a baseline of like, are we on the same page? Are we headed the same direction? You know, and luckily we were. I mean, I've, uh, I mean, I will probably get into this as well, but like there was a time I almost partnered with a group and I'm so glad I didn't because they were like, just not a good fit. Honestly, it was probably more better was like, I wasn't a good fit for their group. So I ended up walking away from a deal. We didn't quite have under contract, but accepted LOI. And I was just like, you know, this isn't quite feel right. This isn't quite for me. And it was a really good decision in hindsight. You know, just one of those gut feels where you're like, I don't think this is right. And if we would have taken the time to like get to know each other more, ask the hard questions, I would have known earlier and not wasted as much time on on that group and deal or whatever, you know, nothing against them. They're great people. It just wasn't a good partnership. Yeah. I, since we're here and talking about partnership and I do want to talk about that sort of journey that you took and that year that you took off that you mentioned before the cameras turned on. Um, hopefully we get uh, back to that point, but um, in terms of partnerships, yes, it's, it, it takes a level of trust uh, that I find um, to, to take the leap and, and delegate, and begin to understand that people may not be perfect and you can give them something to tackle and uh, they won't do it the way exactly you do it unless you want to micromanage them. And then <laughs> now it's not a partnership. There you have an employee that's just right, can't think for themselves. And that could go down rap, you know, that that can go down a really uh, unhealthy path. So, but can you talk and can let's talk about the pros and cons of partnership because I've, I've I've been doing it for years. I've uh, definitely had some that failed along the way. Yeah, let's talk about like some of the good stuff and the bad stuff and 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 is it worth it for for some? Yeah, I mean I think I think to answer your question is you you kind of have to have some trust, right? Like to your point, someone might do something differently than you would or maybe even what you expected them to do. So I think like the number one rule in my opinion of partnerships is communications. Like be really crystal clear. Here's what I would have done or expect maybe if it's a task coming from me. But even more than that is like, I think if you give someone some rope and some trust, that begins to go back and forth, right? So like a couple of pros would be, like I said, way less on your shoulders if they're a good partner. So this would be a good example. Is like partner Shane, he does all the underwriting and he just happens to be excellent at kind of what I'll call like back of house stuff. So like he's really good at tracking people's like all of our investors info because what you know when a deal you have 25 investors and it's like all their info is super important super super um, delicate right and so it has to live like on someone's computer and be taken care of and it just you know it just has to track it really well plus like everyone has a different investment amount so just knowing who when all the stuff and then communication is like 
creating groups that we can mail about each deal, like all this stuff. So he's excellent at that type of stuff. Had I said, here's how you should do it, I think it would have been frustrating for both of us, you know, because he's going to do it differently than I would probably. But giving him the trust to be like, hey, man, I know this is your thing. Go for it. And the same for underwriting. Like underwriting is extremely important, obviously. He underwrites slightly different than I would. But then once we have a deal or once we have an accepted LOI, we always get together on a Zoom call and say, like, here's what I'm seeing. What are you seeing and why? And putting our heads together is like somehow way more powerful than just one or the other, right? So somehow someone maybe missed something or maybe like sees a different angle. So those are kind of the pros. would be like, less on you. Generally speaking, you're going to go further faster. You, you get both of your groups together too. So when it you know, involves investing, it's like your, your tribe, right? You get to bring those together. And then the cons are like, of course, always the same. It's like personalities. You know, it's it's frustrating if someone doesn't do something right or if this makes a mistake or like maybe a good example would be like timeline. Like if someone says, hey, can you tackle this? You're like, yeah, I got it. And then in their mind, it's like immediate or maybe next day. And your mind is like, I got it like four days from now. Again, it comes back to communication. So I think that there could be lots of cons to partnership if you're not good at communication. And and that's sometimes just the case, right? Some people are, are that's not their skill set. So it's something you probably have to work on if, if communication isn't your number one. So the thing we do is have a weekly call. Like every week, no matter what, even if nothing's going on, we jump on an hour-long call and just like say, hey, where are you at? What's going on? All that stuff. And I think that's super powerful as well. You know, there's lots of tools out there, lots of books on how to create a team and how to work together, but that's kind of what works for us. And then the other con would basically be like, you know, if if things go wrong, that's typically when you'll see partnerships struggle. It's like, it wasn't what I thought it was, or we're not as successful as I thought it was, or we're still not getting a deal, or we didn't raise enough capital or whatever it was, right? That's when things kind of like struggle, I think. So being prepared for frustrations ahead of time is probably a good tool. Um, and I act like I'm a like a teammate expert right now. <laughs> that's not the case. Still learning, right? But that's what works for us. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Um, dealing with the frustrations ahead of time, what, what are some of the tools that you kind of alluded to? Yeah, I think so. Um, so here's here's one example. My, my brother, Ben, is one of our partners. And so that had, like brings its own dynamic in itself. And so I think this could help with this as well. And I'm not saying everyone partners with a family member because a lot of times that's that's a recipe for disaster in itself. But we happen to have really good opposing skill sets. But we've also had this monster history of like knowing everything about each other and frustration. So what we did was basically we sat down and we're like, dude, if you're going to be part of this team, which I'm really happy he is, I'm glad to have him as part of the team. There's got to be a separation. There's like brother slash friend. And then there's business. And if I'm frustrated in business, you can't take it personally and vice versa. Like if you're mad at me or frustrated or whatever, that's business. And we'll kind of set that clear boundary almost, you know? And so I think that's where people get in trouble is they let emotions take over and maybe like some old stuff sneak in. But I think you have to be kind of clear about it in advance. And that's why I say is like, hey, I'm frustrated. This is business has nothing to do with your, you know, being my brother. And here's why. That's a good example of a tool just to be like, this is not a personal thing, but 
here's what needs to change, in my opinion. And then I think obviously being a good listener is, is key in, in life, right? But if you're open to listening to their side, obviously that's huge too. Yeah. Well, what you're mentioning to me there alludes to um, creating self-awareness because and, and, and understanding and knowing yourself, but then also with your brother, whoever, say, you know, your business partner, um, there's, there's a level of awareness on their end and empathy that you can exercise to, uh, you know, come to an agreement, right? Because then their communications can be there. So people communicate in very different ways and people could be interpreting things in different ways. So for example, if we're watching a same movie, you and I, and then we walk out, you completely saw a different thing than I did because we're two different people. So I can, I noticed that when I can communicate and I'm, you know, you and I podcasters, you know, speak on stage and do all those things, talk to a lot of people, you know, I could, I can communicate relatively easily, but doesn't mean that person on the receiving end is going to translate it the way I want to. So I have to say it in many different ways. And, and, and so what I, what I want to highlight here is the communications is key, the way you communicate that. And then also, um, managing their expectations, right? Cause like you just said, like, Hey, can I get this done? And then they go, cool, I got this. But in their head, it's either next week or in a few days, but you needed it right away. So it's, how do we manage expectations? I'm just pointing things out that I've learned like you along the way, somewhat recently, <laughs> how I screw up. And I um, just wanted to put it out there for for people while, while we're listening and um, chatting yeah, I think the, the pros and cons. Yeah. yeah, I think the, I mean, the best lessons a lot of times are the hardest ones, right? Like the reason I can say this works is because there's been times when I fell short of what I was saying. Like when I know what doesn't work, sometimes that's even more valuable to figure out what does work. So yeah, again, I'm not trying to preach. I just think I've found some tools that have worked and it's come from trial and error, just like you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's man, more power to you and your brother <laughs> for, <laughs> for working with each other. Cause yeah, like you said, there's just a lot of history there. Um, stuff can bubble up whether you know it or not subconscious. Um, but yeah, it's good if you guys are working together and it's working. That's, that's fantastic. Um, I do want to jump into a little bit because you guys have created and you've created a, a great brand with your with your podcast and your um, your visuals and your branding. Um, you know, I, on your podcast, you know, I gave you kudos for that as well. Can you talk to people out there who have you know not just real estate teams but are building a team? They can't necessarily afford to outsource it, or they don't want to. Maybe they want to build this part of the business, create because we always recommend people create their own media agencies. That's really the way it's all moving and evolving into. Uh, talk a little bit of some of the things that you put in place to, to help you with your marketing and your branding. Yeah. So I think, I mean, again, I think there's people out there who who either are good at it or maybe want to do it. And one like thing of self-awareness like you're describing is knowing that's not me. I like, I tried to edit a few podcasts and I was, it was painful, right? So first thing with the podcast is getting good at editing, good producing team, just email Eric. <laughs> They'll take care of it. I was just calling what it is, right? Um, I appreciate so that. So I think that yeah. that's like one one piece of it, right? But then the branding is is again, it's not really my thing. It's like I don't I don't really do like artistic stuff, to be totally honest. I mean, I I wish I was, and I'm not I'm not saying I'm not artistic because I don't like when people say that. I think everyone is. It just doesn't express itself in that way, right? So like I do have a marketing team. And so what they they do is so actually, my wife and I kind of created the original brand, the original coloring. It just happened to be 
that, that they liked it, right? Because I was like, I'm open to change this. So here's, here's the things I put in place. One is a podcast editing team and producing team. So what they do is edit all the, all the podcasts. They produce a couple of clips, basically. And that's, that's pretty much what they do. Now, she's good because she'll tell me like, Hey, I listened to this episode and you know, you kind of went down this rabbit hole and you know, maybe it serves some people, but it's a little, you know, don't do that in the future, basically <laughs> in a nice way. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the clips are really good too, cause you can use them as reels and, and YouTube and stuff. And then the marketing team, they, they are more focused on wild oak capital rather than the podcast. Now they do put the podcast stuff up on our wild oak capital, Instagram and Facebook and all that. But what they did was created kind of the brand and color and style. So if you look at Wild Oak Capital on Instagram, for example, you know, I I sort of give some direction because I want it to be my voice. But a lot of the, of course, all the images and like a lot of the style, it comes from that team and it's super consistent. So that'd be like the one thing I'd say is is you can kind of expect something from our brand, I think, because it's incredibly consistent. And so that's something I took from people who I was watching who was like, that person's successful or I enjoy their stuff. How can I sort of emulate that? And truthfully, that's what a lot of that's what a lot of these businesses are. It's like learning from someone else who did what you did. How can you take it and make your own? But there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. Right. So that's kind of the marketing team. And then um, I do have a couple VAs that are outstanding and they help with, you know, um, so an example would be like if someone emails me and says, hey, I want to be on your podcast, you know, I'll always respond and say, that's great. Let me make sure we're a fit. And then they'll help me do some research on those people. And like kind of send me maybe like a quick bio, stuff like that. Um, so there's, there's actually kind of a big team behind the scenes doing a bunch of that stuff, which is, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Cause again, that's not really my skill set. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important, man. You did it right. It is, yeah. You know, they, um, the understanding that it needs to get done. You know, there's a lot of people that do what you do. You do real estate investing. You do a lot of different things. You know, you want to have balance. And you want to have family life. And how do we get this done correctly, or at least close to you know correct and perfect, uh, without taking more of your time? So, you, I love the theme of this because you realize at some point early on that you got to leverage other people and create some partnerships potentially and. Right, find the people that do uh, you know, things well that that you don't necessarily do that well, or want to care or care to know. know yeah, how exactly. To do it, right? I mean, I don't, I don't ever want to like create a list of social media posts. Like, I like to to give some again some direction. Like, here's some things I like to do, and I like, you know, and again, like editing. Some people like it. Some people are really good at it. Absolutely not my skill set. So you're right. Now, here's the other thing I'll say, and this is pretty important. I think is those things early on don't make money. Like the podcast, it still doesn't make money. I, I pay money every month to have the podcast. Now, of course, you could say people hear it, they may invest with you. And that's how you, that's the that's what marketing is, right? So people will say, like, I can't afford it. Like we kind of can't not afford it, actually. If you're trying to <laughs> like reach an audience. Yes, it costs money. And yes, it's frustrating, especially early on because you don't necessarily see immediate results. Or maybe you don't ever see like crystal clear results would be a better example. But like people find me from like a podcast like this, for example, or they might hear hear my podcast or whatever, but you don't know a lot of times. I'd say 80% of the time, I don't know how that person found me. I might say, hey, you know, and a lot of times I'll say, hey, my friend 
told me about your podcast, my friend invested with you or whatever. But it's it's also like if someone wants to invest with you, you could just say, hey, go listen to my podcast. This episode, we talked about this. And just saying that, a lot of people are like, okay, this guy's a little bit more trustworthy because he seems to be an expert in this field, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of other reasons why this stuff works. You're not, I'm never going to be Tim Ferriss. I'm never going to like make millions of my podcasts. Maybe not never, maybe, right? But like, that's not the goal. It's just to get the word out. It's to tell people about this. It's a really powerful tool. You know, syndications, I believe in wholeheartedly because I think it's a win-win-win. And to get that word out is really the ultimate goal, right? It just happens to be that it helps you uh, become kind of, yeah, thought leader you know, or quote unquote expert. Yeah. It's, it's really making your own stage and creating your own stage to stand on and, and, and help people. Right. And- yeah. And I think that's another thing is exactly, I mean, really want to highlight what you just said is help people. Mm-hmm. If you're after this, like, uh, if you go into a podcast, like to try and win for yourself, mm-hmm. you, maybe. Right. But I think ultimately to, to serve others is where all the power yeah. comes from. People, people can smell that. You know, if yeah. not right away, eventually they smell. I call it com- commission breath. You know, that, that sales guy that's really just in it for the dollar, and the money, yeah. and not a mission. Uh, but yeah, that's why I like talking to guys like you and 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 being in groups similar to Go Abundance or like Go Abundance. You know, kind of does that vetting for you. And, and they're not to say that there aren't people like that within the community. There are, but they they quickly find their way out, which is cool. Uh, like, okay, yeah, this isn't for you, man. This isn't a big sales, you know. They like this is a community of people that actually give a crap about each other. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the 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 final segment. Even though, man, there's so much I wanted to uncover. Before yeah, we, we can that, go back and cover some of that too. So no yes, <laughs> now, let's do it because I, I want to know quickly about how, or however long you want to take to do this. But when you took that year off, because you told me that before we kicked the cameras on, yeah, tell tell us a little about about that. Like that decision to do that. And then what happened during that year? Um, and yeah, what happened when you got back? Yeah, so I guess, uh, I won't go too long here, but basically I studied engineering in school and I'm not your sort of standard engineer, honestly. Like it was really hard for me to get through school. I feel like there was, I was surrounded by people smarter than myself. It was a humbling experience. Like it was challenging, right? So I got through fine grades. I think it was just more like determination and perseverance and like, I don't know what the word is, just like complete stubbornness. Like, I'm going to finish this, right? Got through school, got a job, and I was basically in a, in a pretty tough mental stage where I just hated the job. And I think a lot of people could probably relate to that, right? So I was like, okay, I got I to gotta make a major shift here. And um, kind of long story short was like, I'm going to take, I'm going to save up some money. And my wife and I are going to take a year off. So it just started with that. It was like, I'm just going to take some time off. Then we started researching, and this was kind of before like van life was cool, and I, I still think it's cool, but more and more and more people do it. So this is 2015, so seven years ago. We were like, okay, let's let's like drive around the country, maybe drive to Mexico, drive to Canada, whatever. We're like, you know, actually, let's just drive to the bottom of South America. Is that even a thing you can do? You know, that was like how it started. And so I started doing some research, and sure enough, there's a handful of folks that do it every year. Like you can drive. So we're like, all right, let's go. So we. Drove from Colorado. So we had this 1982 Toyota pickup with like mm. a camper on the back, like super cool car. Um, and it had great gas miles, like just this old engine I could work on if it broke. Like it was all the stuff I wanted. Cause there's people who buy like $200,000 cars and, and do it. But this one, we paid 2,500 bucks for it. We put like five grand of like stuff, you know, like fridge and kitchen and all that in, in there. 
So it was pretty inexpensive. And then we just saved us some cash and we're like, let's just do it. So we drove like all down Highway 1, basically like hugged the coast of California was the start. Cruised through Mexico for a long time and then all the way down to the bottom and took a year. And it was just like a time for reset. It was just like, this isn't really necessarily what I want to do. You know, what what was all that effort for? Kind of just like a, like check it out. So then on the road, actually, oddly, people would call me and be like, hey, can you draw my house plans? You know, and they didn't know I was traveling. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, so I had to like start a... I, like my own brand kind of like a, like an engineering company. I remember exactly where I was actually. Like I was in Guatemala when I was like at my first job, let's say. I was like, oh man, I have to start a website. So my wife and I got on Wix and like created like a terrible website. I like opened a bank account, which is shockingly hard to do from another country. And I was like... And, and the clients didn't know. I was like... And eventually I became more like open about it. But I thought they'd fire me if they knew I was out of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, a, that's a fear anyway. So we started this... I started with some, some engineering and it's still going to this day. So that's what I do still to this day, probably you know, anywhere between 20 and 40 hours a week, depending on the week. And we do mostly architecture and, and that type of stuff, but um, it's basically residential engineering. So during that trip, like I kind of found like, oh, like... Owning the company, being an entrepreneur, that's really where my heart is. And even though I'm still doing the engineering, it's like, I'm client facing. I'm like, still, you know, interacting. I get to pick and choose the jobs. Like, it was just this refreshing time in my life where I thought it would be a year off. And it started like, it was weird because I actually got not busy, but making some money on the road. And so, um, anyway, so it took us a year to drive and man, there's lots of lessons learned and, you know, we got to see tons of countries and different styles and people and food. And to this day, I mean, travel is my, my number one thing besides my family, like of what my why is, you know, it's like all the, all the stuff we do. And so I can travel with my family and, and hang out with my family as much as I can. And that kind of comes back to what you're talking about with marketing too, is like, I have some friends who are like, man, you do so much stuff. Like how much, like how do you do even sleep? I'm like, actually, yeah, I have a pretty hard and fast no work after 6 p.m. Never work the weekends ever. There's lots going on. If you look at social media, sure, but I'm not doing most of it. And I'm just proud to have a good team together. So uh, it kind of comes back to that. It's like, I don't ever want to like be a workaholic. I hope I'm never not. And I hope that I focus on those things that are super important to me. And that's the reason why I work so hard. Yeah, I feel like we could devote a whole episode to that year off. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, Maybe like, we should. We'll have a bonus episode. Like, <laughs> what was it like? It was so yeah. good. It was sweet though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to hear about the conversion, uh, you know, the the gray water, the black. I want to hear it all. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I nerded out big time. Like, I really did. I, I made, I did all the plumbing. My own, like wow. I had this really cool design where like, like we could stick a hose in a river and I had a filter and it would just turn on the pump and it would filter and it'd be like, wow. it would fill our drinking water. Mm-hmm. Or we could have some gray water. Like if we didn't, if we were like just taking a shower, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You could just like flip a switch and it would bypass the filter. So it wouldn't like use the filter and you just shower, right? So it was, it was pretty cool. I I think, I mean, I nerded out pretty hard. The exterior of the truck looked really terrible Mm -hmm. and it was kind of nice because we didn't stand out, you know? Right. I actually got pulled over like at least five times in Mexico and the the cop was like, can I buy your truck? Because like, (laughs) they were like, so enamored with it, you know, like this yeah. is so cool. And they're like, I only pulled you over because I want to see if you can sell it. Wow. And this is all in Spanish, you know, and I'm like, yeah. 
still, I mean, my Spanish is decent, but I was like, oh my gosh, you pulled me over to ask if you could buy it. I'm like, dude, you can't buy my house. <laughs> that was always my answer. I was like, this is my house. Dude, did they, my car. Did they ask to see it? Like they wanted to look yeah. Oh, back? Yeah. No, oh, wow. super, super common. Like at least wow. five or six Mexican cops got in my truck to check it out and were jazzed. And wow. it was cool. Like I learned actually to trust the police more than I, yeah. than I thought I would in that sense. Cause I think they were really helpful. And I think, you know, there's always that like, oh, did you have trouble with the cops? And the answer is only yeah. one time ever. And it was like just the one sour cop. But the rest of the time in all the countries, like all the border crossings, they take a long time. They're super frustrating. People are generally super helpful and like mm. grateful that you're traveling and grateful that you like their country. And so we had a really, really positive experience mm. overall. And it's especially with, with police and locals and all the stuff. So, yeah, that's wild, dude. Man, yeah, definitely uh, to be continued. Uh, on yeah, that whole sure. Life we'll catch up. We'll catch up in person. Sometime, Holy yeah. moly! Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but yeah, let's get to the the final ish segment called "Embrace the F Word." So you could share a failure that ended up being a win or a lesson learned. Yeah, um, there was a lot, and I think I kind of touched on it earlier. It was like, and it really wasn't a failure per se, but like I'd been working with these this group of two or three people thinking we were headed in the same direction. And we were looking at deals, analyzing deals, planning to partner on stuff. And it really came down to like, like almost writing a contract on a deal when I was like, this is not, this is not what I thought. And like, this is not a good connection at all. And it was a lot of wasted time. And to tell the, that group like, Hey, I'm really sorry. I'm just not aligned here. I, I wish you guys well, you're, you're welcome to the deal. I don't, need it necessarily and th- there was some anger like they reacted angry and that was actually one more reason to tell me like okay if someone's going to react that way it's one more like kind of red flag it was like an ultimate like nail in the coffin kind of so that's although that's not really a huge failure i would say it was it's quite a bit of wasted time and it comes back to communication like i wish i would have been asked way more questions asked the hard questions been more clear about just stuff you know and um, it could have been less painful and less time wasted because that's how I felt. I was just like, man, I just wasted like four months of analyzing deals and talking to brokers and we were a team and blah, blah, blah. And it just, so that was, that was a pretty intense, or I'll just say it was a hard time that I, that I learned a lot from. Yeah. Well, at least you didn't go down that road, right? It was four months could, yeah, versus worse, four years, yeah. right? It could have been uh, a... Yeah. Very messy. Yeah, people say like you know when you partner with someone, it's kind of like a marriage, and I don't really necessarily subscribe to that because it's they're not the same at all. But it is like it's a good saying in the sense that you are tied with these people or person for a long period of time, and there's not really a good way of getting out of it, you know, because you got investors involved and you owe it to them to do a good job. And so even if even if maybe you're not the best of friends the whole way, you really have to kind of stick with it. So that's that's really the lesson learned. Is I feel like we've hammered it. Is like. Choose your partners wisely. However, partnerships are incredibly powerful. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of emotions involved in in partnerships. Um, you know, highs and lows, and yeah, it's like it's got a lot of similarities, like you said, to to marriage. Um, but yeah, not exactly the same, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I think. Let me share like one other um, kind of failure. I guess would be a, a good example is like. The very first rental house we ever bought, we partnered with my in-laws. Like my wife's parents uh, decided to put up all the capital and we were going to do all the work. And it actually worked out. It actually worked out well. But 
I didn't know the math behind the business, honestly. Like, I just knew like, hey, there's some people who are investing in real estate and we should do. I mean, that's honestly about as much as I knew. After buying that, um, a friend of mine, you know, was like, hey, you should check out Bigger Pockets and check out these podcasts. And it was not necessarily my own fault. I just wasn't educated at all. And so um, looking back, I wish I wouldn't have done that deal. There's there's better deals out there. There's better stuff out there. And it took that kind of to learn. Um, but they were super cool. And and once we sold the house, I mean, I think we gave them all the proceeds because I was, you know, by that time, I was like, you guys deserve return on your capital. This is kind of a lesson learning for me. They trusted me the whole way. And again, we all made money, but not... We made very little. They made some money. But just again, is like probably the, the lesson learned there would be get educated. So like... If you're trying to get into this space, listen to Eric's podcast. Like, listen to other people's podcasts that you can learn from, right? And, and actually become the expert prior, especially prior to using other people's capital. Um, so that'd be a huge, huge lesson as well. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, leverage leverage the experience of others. Um, yeah, I've definitely done it. You've done it plenty of plenty of times. And the advice that they 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 give on shows like this or yours or any podcast or book it may not be um re- it may not be relevant to you in that moment but if you store it like i still quote stuff that i you know interviewed someone four five years ago and i'm like this is gonna apply <laughs> at some <laughs> point here right because they already knew the future based off their experience but yeah brother so thank you for all that so as we wind down and land the bird here, brother, I appreciate your time and being here. And it's always great talking to you um, and learning more about you and hashtag van life. Um, <laughs> in one word, how do you help people? I think uh, you know, it's hard, obviously. And I think probably a lot of your guests struggle to come up with one word. I, for me, I say kindness. And I think like, like if there's anything I want from my kids, it's for them to learn to be kind. And there's so much more to that word than just like being nice, right? It's like empathy. You talked about it earlier. It's like being empathetic to some for someone is like imagining you're in that well they fell into with them, you know? Like if they're in a struggle or maybe they're having the best day ever, like just being kind to someone is awesome. So I heard this quote yesterday. He was like, he's talking about sales. He's like, we make sales harder than it is. Basically, you just ask someone over and over and over. If they say no, find someone else and ask them over and over again. And he said, and then it turns out service, we make it harder than it is too. To be to be in service for someone, just be very kind. Just like, be nice. <laughs> and, and you could be you could really helpful and serving for these people. So for me, like, I think if it's in one word, it's to try and be as kind as I possibly can. And that that really kind of fits into all parts of business and life in general. It's like, if someone's wanting to invest with us. I want to understand their position, their goals, like give respect to their money, their, you know, hard-earned capital, all this stuff, but be kind along the way. And then if in the opposite, like if someone's struggling, right? Like having a hard time, try and have some empathy, sit there with them, like sit in the pit with them and say, I understand this sucks, like so bad. And how can we serve? You know, how can I help you? Like, so I think kindness is something that I want to pass to my kids. My wife kind of gets tired of me saying it. Like, I'd rather my son be an absolute mediocre student in school, but be the kid who like sits with the 
the kid who's crying or like opens a door for the teacher or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. that's to me significantly more valuable than intelligence or, you know, whatever, you know, any other aspect. It's like being a kind person is incredibly important in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And the more you put out of that, the more you attract of it, you know, because it's just, that's how the universe works. And the more kindness and love that you put out, it's just, somehow that's how it's just magnetic right you well, super true man and there's more people like that yeah i mean that's that's true for everything like giving too like the more you give the more you give your time money energy the more you get and it's just proven itself over and over and over and and so yeah there's so much truth in what you just said yeah it's awesome brother well thank you for that word thank you for your time thank you for your friendship all the above brother i appreciate you and uh thanks for being on the show yeah, my, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks to how you. Can, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, it's all kind of on one website. This is marketing, right? It's like Wild Oak Capital, <laughs> wildoakcapital.com. It's all there. The podcast is there. Um, you can email me at eric at Wild Oak Capital. I really love to talk. So if you hear this, shoot me an email. I promise I'll respond. Um, that's that's the best way to find me. Awesome. Yeah. And the Real Estate Mindset Podcast. Check that out as well. Thanks again, brother, for being here. Thank you, sir that's it for now folks if you'd like to stay in touch with the show you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com that's eric e-r-i-k at onairbrands.com and if you aren't already subscribed to the show you can find us on itunes spotify or any other podcast platform and please recommend us to one or two people in your circle that will go a long long way to growing our community also if you could rate us on itunes just take a moment uh, to give us five stars and if they have more stars give all of them we'd greatly appreciate you for that and always always like subscribe and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share. Share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. <laughs>